The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Besides Still Waters. I'm glad you could join me today. And we are going to continue in our series uh, concerning men who chose life or loss. In this third episode, we are looking at a man who chose life even after failure. He chose life even after failure. What I love about the narrative concerning Gideon, who was one of the judges of Israel, is that there is always redemption or a second chance with God. Some of us have looked at the narrative of our lives and many times with regret because we have seen incidents or events which we've concluded, you know, I really didn't handle that well. And sometimes it lingers in our minds, in our hearts, or depending on the type of friends that we have, they may even remind us of our past failure. Well, such was the case uh, in Judges chapter 6 and 7. As you know, the entire narrative of the Judges cataloged Israel's success, eventual apostasy, and then the um, corresponding uh, repression by their enemies as allowed by Jehovah. And the repression was such that it was so intense that they were compelled to cry out to God for intervention and mercy. And God would, in answer to prayer, raise up a judge who would, in essence, be a deliverer. And such was the case uh, in the time of uh, Gideon, because uh, we are told in the beginning chapter of uh, the beginning uh, verses of chapter 6 that uh, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of Jehovah, and uh, Jehovah delivered them into the hand of Midian. And this deliverance, this oppression, lasted for approximately seven years. And uh, we are told that the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, so it was a very intense oppression. And please bear in mind, when we are talking about uh, being beside still waters, and my, my, my intent is to appeal to those who have established a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ and have committed themselves through the covenant uh, of deliverance from the consequences and and ultimate penalty for sin, uh, we've entered into a covenant with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, 
if we were to go down a, a side trail uh, in Matthew 26 when the Lord instituted uh, the uh, sacraments of uh, the uh, bread and wine signifying the death that he would die and the purpose for that death, uh, he indicated that uh, this is the blood of the new covenant, the new agreement with God for the remission of sins. So uh, when we have received the Lord Jesus as our Savior, divinely sent, and as Master or Lord of our lives, we've entered into a covenant. And so this was the case even in the Old Testament because they had the law and the law uh, uh, if you will, cataloged the nature of this covenant that they had with God. But the people apostatized and went after the gods of the nations around them and all of the corresponding behaviors that flowed from that apostasy. So here we are now. Midian is oppressing Israel. And this oppression was uh, pretty intense. And uh, so the nation was in a state of, of decline and spiritual failure. There was external oppression by Midian. And most importantly, divine grace was removed because Jehovah promised them that if they remained faithful to this covenant, he would deliver them from their enemies and make them victorious. They would be free of this territorial conflict. But unfortunately, they didn't take heed to the words of the covenant. They did not believe and cleave to Jehovah. And now Midian has stepped in. Uh, divine grace is removed. And the net result is that they are now impoverished. They are, in fact, we are told in about verse 6 of the narrative that Israel was greatly impoverished because of Midian. And the children of Israel cried to Jehovah. Now, very often we, when someone lives in prosperity, or as we have enjoyed a measure of prosperity in America, there is evident signs of decline. Uh, and as such, there may come a future time in which Circumstances economically, nationally, uh, locally, maybe in our familial circles, may compel us to cry out to God for his intervention and mercy. Why? Because we are experiencing hardship. And very often God uses hardships to compel us to reach out to him, to cry out to God as as the scripture would often use that phrase to indicate that the people of God feel the intense uh, effects of, of uh, spiritual, economic, uh, familial, personal oppression. And when we have reached our extremity, we are compelled to call on God. And as a result of them calling, now the, the national environment becomes ripe for God to work. And my friends, I want to, I want to emphasize this. Many people expect God to just intervene on their behalf. But throughout the biblical narrative, we are given scenarios in which God compels us to call upon him. 
there's a, a verse, I believe, verse 15 of, of, of the 50th Psalm, which I, I truly love, among others. But it says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. And this was a promise made by Jehovah by the mouth of uh, King David to his people. Call upon me. I will deliver you. That's a divinely provided promise. I will deliver you. And so as the people, as the nation of Israel is crying out to God for intervention because of the Midianites' oppression, God sends, if you will, a prophet. And this prophet, uh, from about the seventh verse of the sixth chapter, tells them that Jehovah delivered them from Egypt. He delivered them out of bondage. He subdued their enemies. And by virtue of the uh, covenant that they entered into with God, he promised them victory, that he would drive out their enemies from before them. And so God was faithful But the divine sentence upon the people was that they never hearkened, they never listened with an intent to please, to cleave to God, and to obey the things that he commanded them to. So essentially, they apostatized. And now, they're under oppression, they're crying out to Jehovah yet again, and it is in this environment God chooses a man. God chooses a man. Now, this man was Gideon. And what we find about Gideon, as with many of us, when we are undergoing hardship, difficulty, challenge, trial, it tends to color the way we view the circumstances. I've frequently said that... uh, These podcasts are to encourage us to live life on the horizontal plane with a divine or vertical perspective. And so as as Gideon was uh, threshing wheat (laughs) in the wine press, uh, that way he wasn't visibly doing it outside where he could be seen by his enemies, that is the Midianites. He did it in a wine press, which tends to be in a secure place. And Jehovah appeared to him and said to him that Jehovah is with you, O mighty man of valor. So here now, this young man is threshing wheat, separating the chaff from the wheat. He's doing it in a secure place where he can't be seen. So evidently, he is afraid. And now God shows up and calls him a mighty man of valor. Now that that might appear contradictory and Quite frankly, to many of us, that was my conclusion too, because that was Gideon's conclusion. And so Gideon says to Jehovah, Oh my Lord, if Jehovah is with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where are his miracles that our fathers told us of? So now Gideon is looking back and saying, All the things we heard about Jehovah, where are they? Where are they? But guess what? He forgot that he, along with the nation, went astray. He did not see his 
error and his part in the national decline. You see, my friends, we all have a part to play. We can't really point the finger at someone else because it's partly our fault too. And so now when he looks at this decline, his vision has been blurred. Gideon only saw the horizontal view of the current circumstances. And so he says, well, why is this happening to us? Where are the miracles that were told to us? God has abandoned us. God is for our enemies. And he made the categorical mistake that many of us have made. We do not perceive the hand of God in our circumstances, and then we proceed to assign to God the ultimate insult that he is, if you will, capricious and punitive and wants to hurt people, wants to hurt us. But remember, Gideon is now having a personal encounter with God, which tells us of the grace of God. David, frequently in the Psalms, poured out his complaint. It was a, there were times that he wrote songs of complaint to God. <laughs> there were times that he felt forsaken of God. There were times that he felt that God did not and was not listening to his plea. And very often when we go through trial, this is the experience of the disciple, the devotee of our Lord Jesus. Very often we become discouraged because we, we assess that God is not for us because of the intensity of the trial. Have you been there, my friend? I have. It's not a good place. But very often we are there because, like Gideon, we do not see the hand of God in the midst of the trial, the challenge. But I love the response of Jehovah because it says that uh, Jehovah looked on him and said, Go in this your might. You will save Israel from the hand of Midian. God had in view the purpose the calling, his, uh, if you will, his intent to use Gideon for blessing. And I want to say to you that the, the scriptures tell us that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Meaning when God has equipped you and called you and revealed to you where he has called you to serve, once he has equipped you with that gifts or gifts or abilities, he's not going to retract them if you are faithful to serve him in that capacity. And so he tells him, you're going to save Israel. You're going to save Israel. And then he tells him again, I've called you. This is the living God of heaven and earth, the immutable one, the omnipotent one. He says, I've called you. And Gideon, of course, says, well, how am I going to save Israel? I'm the least in my household. My family is the poorest in Israel. 
So he knew, he assessed correctly, I don't have the wherewithal to be able to accomplish this. And yet, and yet, and this is the, this is the jewel of the promises of God. He says, I will certainly be with you, and you will smite Midian. You're going to be victorious. My friend, of all the things, of all the requests that we can make of the Lord, the one request which is pivotal and supreme above all others is that we might know his grace and presence in our lives, that we would be able to discern the fingerprint of God in our lives. More than anything else, to know that God is with us, to know that we're in the center of his will, this is perhaps the best place, the, 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 the place that secures deep satisfaction because it lends comfort in the midst of trial. If you recall, Paul wrote the letter to the Philippian church uh, while he was yet imprisoned in Rome. And he could write, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. He even called himself the prisoner of the Lord. He wasn't a prisoner of Rome, although he was on the horizontal view, but from the vertical view, from God's perspective, he was placed in a prison to be used of God uh, to encourage the churches and Christians spread throughout Asia and Europe. And now, several you know, thousand years later, we are reading those very letters and are being encouraged by them. And so God gives to uh, Gideon uh, the solution to the problem. He says, you're the solution. I've chosen to use you. I'll be with you. You will affect others for good. And all of this was given to Gideon in a private meeting with God. And so when we think of, of time spent with God beside still waters, this uh, phrase, this statement is the, the catchword for saying we need, we must, it's imperative that we spend time alone with God, that we familiarize ourselves with God's holy presence for obvious reasons. And so that we might know the call and grace of God on our lives to fulfill the purpose for which he has saved us and indwells us by his Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, Gideon was compelled to respond to God. He was compelled. He recognized in about the 22nd verse that he is in the presence of Jehovah. And he was fearful, but the Spirit of God spoke to his heart and confirmed with him that he would not die, but that he would have peace. And I, I love what happened in this man's life. He began to change. And very often, when we spend time, when we, when we make 
uh, a priority of meeting with God day by day, meeting with God in secret, in that quiet place, waiting upon him, waiting upon his word that he might speak to us. Very often, we'll know what the next step is. And it was interesting because Gideon's first step was to destroy the, uh, the uh, altars of Baal and build an altar to Jehovah. We learned about that in Abraham's life. One of the, the, the uh, central events in the life of Abraham was that he built an altar as a memorial and he built an altar where he called upon God. And even in the time of failure, when he went into Egypt and was, was uh, essentially booted out of Egypt because of his duplicity, he returned to the place where he established the altar where he met with God. And what does God have uh, Gideon to do? To build an altar to Jehovah. And so in Gideon's case, God is taking the time to reestablish what is important to Gideon. And my friends, what ought to be a priority in our lives. Gideon recognized in the 22nd verse that he was with God. And you and I, even in the times of failure, in the times when life seems uh, extraordinarily challenging and it doesn't appear that God is with us, the solution, the fix, uh, the steps to repair that begins with reestablishing the covenant to meet with God. This is the central, the single most important first step. Reestablish an altar to meet with God. And then later on, we learn that God was in the process of leading Gideon because uh, not only did he um, ultimately uh, make the sacrifice or I should say build the altar uh, to Jehovah, but now Gideon, as he's famously known for, has that moment when he puts God to the test. And I want to say this, many people at this point uh, might be a little critical of Gideon because they said, well, you know, Gideon wasn't, he didn't trust God and so forth and so on. From my personal experience, God allows us a, a, a certain amount of latitude to ask of him something that would strengthen our faith. And so now Gideon, in the presence of God, asks or puts a, a, a fleece on, on the same threshing floor where he threshed the wheat, and the test was, if there's dew on the fleece only and all the ground around him around it is dry, then that will confirm to him that, that God would truly save Israel by his hand. And when he found on the following day that God answered him, he reversed the request and he said, you know, asking God, asking mercy of God to allow him to just prove him once more with the fleece. And he said, let it be dry upon the fleece only and the dew upon the ground around the fleece. And so it was that night that Jehovah caused it to be dry on the fleece 
and wet with dew on the ground. And very often when we have and have proven that that we are in the center of God's will and have made it our routine practice to be in his presence, what we find is God allows us to ask of him, uh, if you will, confirmations of his presence that others may think, well, that's frivolous. But we've already established a walk with God where he has proven himself in our lives. And I want to encourage you, take time to make time with God your habit, the habit of your life. Take time to know his presence. We are told, for example, uh, so importantly in in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, that we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. In fact, uh, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, said to them, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God? God is with you. The God of heaven, the immutable, the unchanging, the most holy, is not only with you, but he has sealed you as his own by the indwelling spirit of God. You belong to him. He says that you are not your own. You have been purchased, bought with a price, and therefore glorify God in your body. We belong to him. And he has promised to lead us. And so in the life of Gideon, Throughout the narrative, as he goes now to do battle with the Midianites, he's given additional instructions concerning the number of people that would go with him. And and he even went into the camp of the enemies, he and his servant, uh, and they overheard a dream that was told. And in that dream, he, Gideon, would have the victory. Thus, the Spirit of God confirming again to this man, I'm going to to uh, bring about victory because of you and through you. And my friends, what we have learned from this man's life was that in the midst of spiritual decline in a nation, in the midst of apostasy, in the midst of oppression, when things were difficult and challenging and the people began to cry out to God, He steps into a man's life as he is looking to step into your life and mine. And very often, he would lead us in an impossible way in the midst of trial. In the midst of trial. And so I I, I want to share with you uh, just one of the verses that I I, uh, near and dear to my heart, among many, but in, in 2 Peter we are told, as Peter wrote to the churches, uh, to the uh, Christians scattered throughout Asia Minor, he says that unto us are given great and precious promises, rare promises, that by these promises you might be a partaker of the divine nature. God gave Gideon a promise, assurances, I'm going to deliver Israel through you. He allowed this man, 
to commune with him privately. No one else knew of this conversation he was having. But once he embraced the will of God for himself, then the Lord took him to the next level, which is repair and build an altar. And when he was obedient to the next step, God took him again to a further step. And that is to uh, begin to gather an army. And in gathering this army, he took him again to a further step, which is to confirm for himself that God was really going to use him. And he gave him further confirmation as he stepped into the very camp of the enemy. And so I say that to simply say this. Some of you may be fearful. Some of you may be wondering, what's going to happen when I begin to seek God? What's going to happen when I establish a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in that private place, in that closet? Well, what's going to happen is that his presence is going to become more familiar. What's going to happen is that you're going to see increased answers to prayer as you make the sacred, holy presence of God the norm in your life. You're going to, in addition, be sensitized to the will of God for you as is outlined in the scriptures. And it gets better because the, the, uh, the Lord Jesus said in, uh, to his disciples in the Gospel of John, uh, just prior to him um, going to Calvary, he says that he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. So God is committing through our Lord Jesus Christ to make uh, an affirmation in your life of his love for you as an individual. And, and here's the jewel. Here is the jewel of, of spending time with God. He says, I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. My dear friends, there are innumerable, innumerable amounts of people who want to know the presence of God in their lives. They're hungry for this experience. But our Lord gives us the very narrow doorway to know and experience the presence of God in our lives, regardless of the circumstances. And he says it begins with an adherence, a devotion to doing the will of God as is outlined in the scriptures, hence his commandments. And he gives the assurance that we will have as our privilege and experience an awareness of God presence with us, he and the Father. In fact, he reiterates this promise uh, further in the conversation. And he says, if anyone loves me and he keeps my word, he says, my Father will love him. And we, plural, we will come to him 
and make our abode, our home, our dwelling place with him. And so, my dear friends, when we think of meeting God beside still waters, what we are endeavoring, what we are yearning for, what we covet is the divine, sweet grace, full of grace, presence of God in our lives, an awareness, uh, uh, if you will, a privilege of walking with God that when you speak of this presence, others will know that for you, it is not just a concept, a construct in our minds. It is a practice, an experience, a knowing that God is with us. How do we know? Because when we present our petitions to him, and we know that he hears us, he grants the petitions of our hearts. And I want to encourage you, my friend, perhaps you are in a circumstance that has come about as a result of failure, failure of others, perhaps failure within the family, failure in the workplace, in the state, in the nation, in your country. But God is greater. He's the God of heaven and earth. And so even after failure, the Spirit of God is calling us to meet with God in that quiet place, in that place beside still waters where God reveals himself to a man who earnestly wants to know him and to do his will. May we, like Gideon, in spite of the failure around us, take the time to know and do the will of God to make the presence of God, the time spent before the altar, the very essence of our lives. May God bless you and enable you by his grace so to do. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.